Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Truth About Trucking, live, hosted by Alan Smith, a 30-year OTR veteran, business entrepreneur, and motor carrier transportation consultant, specializing in assisting students and new drivers, and pushing forward to raise the standards of the trucking industry. And now, live from beautiful Citrus County, Florida, here's your host, Alan Smith. that little tune, Eye of the Tiger, uh, welcome to our show, Truth About Trucking Live, it is Thursday, December 17th, 2009, counting down to the holidays, the big one, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to everyone, and you're going to find out this evening why our special guest has the Eye of the Tiger, just an amazing story. Um, we're going to uh, be sharing that with you tonight. It's just uh, just something that I felt would be a really great way to uh, close out the year uh, with such a story of bravery and unselfishness and heroism, and you're going to hear all about it in the next hour, uh, our final show for 2009. And our special guest this evening is a former trucker, a car hauler, uh, hauling autos out to California and returning to the East Coast, I believe, but but not your average little car car hauler. Uh, Our guests transported the really good stuff like Rolls Royces and Bentleys out to, uh, I believe, mainly to the L.A. area. And he would reload with the really cool vehicles like customized Mach 1 Mustang. And it was a Mustang that would turn our guest into a real-life hero. And he is with us this evening. Um... Let me get this over here. Bobby Flaherty, Jr., a recipient of the Night of the Road and the Highway Angel Awards, and also joining us is, I'm sure, his very proud father, Bobby Flaherty, Sr., and together they are going to share Bobby Jr.'s amazing story that took place back in July of 2006, which, because of Bobby's actions, saved the life of a small boy who, at the time, I believe, was... Uh, five to six years of age and uh, let me open up the lines here and uh, I see him there so Bobby Jr. and Sr. welcome to the show I appreciate you guys joining us this this evening how you guys doing? I'm doing good Alan how are you? I'm fine. Alan I'm just fine Merry Christmas. Uh, Same to you and and I guess this is the first show I've had with both guests that have the exact same name so uh, (laughs) I'll just refer to you guys as Bobby Jr. and Bobby Sr. How about that? That'll work. Sounds good. Uh, and, okay, and and uh, Bobby Jr. Let's just uh, let's just jump right in here. And Sr., you feel free to jump in at any time. But but uh, uh, Bobby, you experienced. Uh, I talked to you just briefly on the phone a while back, and uh, I know you experienced some. Uh, just unbelievable injuries back in July of '06. So let's not waste any time. Take us take us all back to that day and explain to uh, our listeners uh, just what happened on that day in California. 
Um, yeah, well, like you were saying before, I hauled exotic cars to the West Coast and custom cars and muscle cars to the back to the East Coast. And I was at a customer's house out in a town called Acton, California, that was about 75, 80 miles outside of downtown L.A. And the customer had a 72, 73 Ford Mustang Mach 1, and uh, it was a stick shift, four-speed car. And they were a young couple with about a five- or six-year-old little boy. And while I was doing my condition report on the car, going over for any dents and damage, I was speaking with the parents and you know we were joking back and forth and the little boy he was you know he was in awe over the truck he'd never seen anything like that and um when it came time to put the car in the trailer the father asked you know do you mind if we watch you put it in there we've never seen anything done like that before uh, so i said you know sure no problem i've been born and raised around trucks my whole life and you know grew up around trucks and been hauling cars for years so I didn't see any problem with it and um, I started the car and I set it up to put it up on the top deck of the trailer up on my upper deck in the inside trailer and when I got the car inside the trailer I put the car in first gear and I put set the emergency brake on and I got out of the car to go get the chains to chain it in place and when I got out of the car, I was it was inside an enclosed trailer, like a NASCAR kind of trailer. So I was inside out of the weather, mm-hmm. and I was squeezing alongside the side of the car, and I noticed that the little boy had wandered behind my trailer and was just watching me out of curiosity. So I didn't think anything of it. I made it maybe like three or four feet away from the back of the car, and I was no, he, going down no, the he, ramp. He, he, he was inside the trailer or just down on the ground there? No, he was uh, down on the ground. He had walked okay. behind the trailer on the ground and was just watching, looking inside the trailer. And oh, I, I noticed him watching me. And I heard a um, metal on metal pop, just like something breaking. And when I heard the pop, I turned around to see what it was. And it just caught my attention that the car had started to roll. And when I seen the car starting to roll, it just it, it dawned on me, you know, the kid was, there was no way the kid was going to get out of the way in time. So I turned around and I threw everything I had against the back of the car and I dug into the ramps of the trailer and I held the car up and I looked over, over my shoulder and I yelled to the dad to get the kid, get the kid. And when I seen the dad get the baby and get out of the way, at that point, the car was already starting to walk me backwards, the way to the car being on an angle. So I knew it was going to yeah, run me over those, going backwards. Yeah, yeah I, I was just going to say, though, that, that kind of car isn't isn't a light car anyway. No, no, it was probably pushing close to 3,500 pounds, 3,600 pounds, old 72, 73 Mach 1, so... Yeah, it was no Kia. <laughs> it could have been, it couldn't have, could have, could have been a little smaller, but you know. But uh, yeah, I, I went and uh, I knew the car was taking me backwards, and I spun and I threw my back against the wall of the trailer, 
And I tried to suck it in, suck my stomach and everything in, and let the car go by me because I was in a sand parking lot. And I was just going to let the car roll out of the trailer into the sand when I seen the dad was clear with the kid. And as the car came by me, I felt a yank on my pant leg. And when I felt the yank, a split second later, I got taken down to the ground in the trailer. And everything went black. And that was, I guess, the rear tire went across my face and crushed both the eye sockets, broke my jaw. Um, something snagged down to my clothes underneath the car and took me another 30 feet down the ramps and out onto to the solid ground outside of the trailer. And as it was dragging me, I was getting hit with the exhaust system, and I was I got punched in the face by the the transmission bell housing, caved my forehead in, severed my nose, uh, severed the sinus cavities split the roof of my mouth in half, um, broke my collarbone in two places, took me down the rest of the way, and when the car came down on the solid ground, it had a deep sump racing oil pan, like a Moroso-style oil pan, Mm -hmm. and when the oil pan came down, it came down on top of my head, just like a sandwich press, just crushing my head, and um, it drug me to a stop by my head and when everything came to a stop I could hear the mom on the phone screaming to 911 to hurry up and I could hear the baby crying and I heard the dad go are you okay are you okay well I could barely talk my jaw was hanging off I go go get get this thing off of me he goes he goes how I go get a jack I didn't know if the guy had a jack or not I just knew that he was a mechanic and I was just hoping that he had a, had a jack at that point. Well, I'm and, amazed uh, that you're even still still conscious. Yeah, yeah. I never. I got lucky and uh, never lost consciousness through the whole thing. I stayed conscious through the whole thing, and um, wow. even to the point where I uh, I drug myself out from underneath the car on my belly when he got the car jacked up high enough, and okay, I felt so away the car. Yeah, he got he he got a shop jack. I heard him dragging a shop jack through the sand, and I felt the way of the car come off my head. And when I felt the way of the car come off my head, that's when I started to dig my way out from underneath the car. And um, at that point, the only pain that I was feeling was my jaw, my collarbone. I knew like I couldn't see anything, so I sat up and I went. I rolled over. And when I rolled over, I heard the guy go, don't move, don't, just stay right where you're at. I told him, go to the tractor and get my phone off the dashboard and call the company on the trailer, call the number on the trailer. And he did, and he handed handed me the phone and uh, the dispatcher. (laughs) I I just can't believe that you're sitting up talking on the phone. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it was. I mean, I'm I'm amazed. uh, I Dad, had the crushed you? head, and I had the crushed head, and I was the one giving everybody orders. <laughs> and I mean, you yeah. still had the frame of mind to call to call your company and let them know. I mean, I'm just surprised yeah. you weren't even even in shock. No, that yeah, was just pure pure adrenaline that was keeping me going at that point. Just I was so I was so pumped up on adrenaline that I, you know, I had no idea what was going on with me. 
And, um, and when you, I told you had Blair, no idea, you had no idea what kind of shape you were in at all. No, no, I thought I, when I told the dispatcher it was a girl. I go, Giselle, the car just got loose. Cut, I got a couple cuts and a broken jaw. They're gonna take me and have me checked out at the ER. I'll give you a call in a couple hours when I get out. And uh, she was she was totally freaking out. And uh, at that point, I heard the police cars pulling up, and I heard the rescue wagon pulling up. And they they're all telling me to lay down, lay down, and they they got me boarded up and cog, they put the collar on me, cut my clothes off. Um, at that point, they loaded me in the ambulance. And I remember being loaded into the ambulance and and only going down the road maybe a mile. And then the ambulance stopped and, and they took me out. And that at that point, I could hear the the motor and the womp and the, the, the wind from the helicopter. And when I heard the chopper, yeah, when I heard the chopper running, I thought, you know, I'm, I might not be coming home. You know, yeah. I, this might this might have been my last ride. Yeah. So um, at that point, I pretty much just left it up to God, you know, you know just for pretty much just left it up to him and told him, you know, whatever happens, happens. So uh, they loaded me into the bird, and they got me in the bird, and the, the flight crew goes, we'll be downtown in 15 minutes, squeeze my fingers. And I guess I was able to squeeze his fingers because at that point I felt the chopper take off and... Uh, I don't know, really, maybe like maybe 5, 10, 15 minutes later, I felt the bump when the helicopter touched back down again, and uh, they took me and rushed me into the ER, and that's the last thing I remember for 10 days. They they put me into an uh, induced a coma. That's what I was going to say. Uh, they knocked you out, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one doctor, doc, my doctor, Doctor Lavi, he seen me and he goes, he goes, I knew you were a fighter because that night I seen you in the ER. He goes, I could, I could literally look inside your head, your forehead. And uh, he goes, he, he goes, if you weren't dead at that point, he, goes, he said, I knew you were gonna make it. So, wow. Well, all, all, uh, all I know is I don't want to meet you in a back alley. <laughs> yeah, I got a little oh, bit man. of Peter. Yeah, a little bit of Peterbilt, a little bit of Chevy, a little bit of Kenworth. <laughs> I, it's just amazing. I, so, what, what did you? What did you find out? Uh, so the little boy was all right. Uh, yeah. That car would have. That car would have surely taken him out. There's no question about that. But you're the one that ended up being taken out. What? Yeah. What? Uh, what were your injuries? What? What were your final injuries at? Uh, um, well, the doctors lost count at over 40 fractures in my face, just from my eyebrows to my jaw, and then my forehead was caved in flat, the nose was severed, the sinus cavity had to be reattached, um, I went through 12 hours of intracranial surgery to rebuild the forehead, and another 12 hours of maxillofacial surgery to rebuild my face from my eyebrows down. Um, I ended up having to have 15 teeth implanted that were taken, that were knocked out that night. Um, my right eye. If you were driving down the road and you just looked in your right mirror to change lanes to go back into the slow lane, if I was to look into my right mirror my right eye would roll up underneath the eyelid 
and I would get a double vision and Funhouse kind of a weird weird vision. So I didn't feel safe driving. I wouldn't even drive a car for it took probably a year. Um, then a, a lady from the Eye Institute down here in Florida, Dr. Holmes, Holmesy, she went in and she did a, a she reversed the damage. It was kind of like a baby with a lazy eye. How the lazy eye would droop, mine would roll the other way. So she weakened the top muscle, so the so it would bother, so it would balance itself back out. And um, after all of it was over with, I had only lost three percent of my peripheral vision in the right eye. Oh wow! So yeah, I have 20/20 straight ahead, 20/20 to the left, and whatever minus the three percent out of the right eye. So unless I'm trying to look at my the back of my head or something like that, it doesn't doesn't even affect me. Wow, yeah, I have to really be looking off to the right hard to have any notice, to even notice it. But I finally got to meet a pretty cool guy I've known my whole life out there in L.A. There's a guy upstairs. Oh, yeah. As you can tell by Junior's story, yes, the doctors were real good, and yeah, they were the best that intervened in his life to save his life, but it was the man upstairs that held her hand. It was a guy upstairs that gave back to me for the second time. This is Christmas, so it's kind of important to remember that person. Yeah, that, that's, uh, just what's, that's what's really amazing about this story I found, because this is really a, a two-sided amazing story. I mean, Bobby Jr. saved the life of a child, and Sr., then you found yourself really having to save the life of your child, so... There's a few miracles going on here, wasn't there? Yeah, when, yes, I there came, was. when I came to out there in L.A., and after being out for 12, 10 or 12 days and nobody knowing what happened to me, um, I, you know, I came to and my dad was there and my brother and my mom, and they're there, my, my mom's husband, they were all looking at me like, you know, you know who we are? And then they put a cap on my trach, and at that point I was able to talk to people and tell them what had happened. And um, when I told them what had happened, it was pretty much, you know, stopped everybody in their tracks, even the, even the doctors and nurses. Um, if I asked for a juice or milk, I got two juices instead of one. Because I wasn't just, yeah, I wasn't just some East East LA gangbanger out there. I was, yeah, really. You know, they they did they didn't realize what happened to get me there. Wow. But, uh, so, so Bobby Senior, yeah. you, uh, I, I take it you were still here in Florida. So, how did you how did you hear about it? Find out about it, and then I guess you flew out there. I got the call the next morning from his boss, okay, and she told me that I had an hour to get to the Tampa airport, and they had purchased a ticket for me to go to L.A. Well, I wasn't exactly in the best of shape because I got hit by an 18-wheeler out on 27 in my 18-wheeler, and it broke my back. So Junior had just taken care of me to get me back on my feet. Before he got hurt, okay? With, I'm talking four weeks. There's oh, a wow. surgery that I had my spinal column fused, 
So I had to hit the streets of L.A. out there. I had no money, okay? It, every corner, every obstacle was put in my place. The man upstairs took it out of there, okay? I have no idea where the intervention came from, Alan. All I can say is the obstacle was taken out of my way. I hear you. It was such an experience because, see, in a situation like that, all the money in the world doesn't buy you out of that. Uh-huh. It's the way you live your life. It's a spiritual bridge that you build every day with people as you go down the road, you know. And you never know when that day comes when you have to go and then make a withdrawal from that account, you know. Right. And you got to make, make sure that you live good enough because, you know, God's a busy man, all right? He, he, he has got more sticks in the fire, 21 different units in Bobby's ICU, every one of brain trauma. Okay, and he's up there trying to sort this mess out. So, you know, if he was to create us all over again, I think he'd think twice. Okay, because we're kind of like really making fools out of ourselves, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. But, I, but I Bobby, Bobby never woke up that morning to, to be anybody's hero. No, no trucker would do that. And there isn't a trucker out there that wouldn't do exactly what Junior did. Uh-huh. Okay, that would jump out of the saddle, run through the median, to save another person's life. Mm-hmm. It's the metal that we're made out of, okay? It's what we are. It's what the, the trucking community is made out of. And and the companies that we go up against and all the all the BS about us, um, nobody can even stand in our shadow, let alone our shoes. Yeah, okay? I, know, I agree. And Junior is a perfect example of that, okay? He is a man of men. The other person in the truck trailer that night that seen it all happen, we forgot to tell you, was God. And that's why God seen it all go down, and he gave Bobby all four aces back today. And, well, and that's the only person I can thank. Okay, the, you know, the workman's cut. It was all there, but God was the one and, and I, that gave him back to me for the second time. Okay, and he came with a special message just so he could touch your life and touch everybody's life now as he goes down the road. Oh, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, a, great, it's a great testimony. What, what did you... Um... When when you made it to the hospital, what was your first reaction? Uh, yeah, I immediately seen my son laying there, his head was purple and twice the size of a human head, and I dropped mm-hmm. to my knees and prayed. Mm. And, the, and then the guy upstairs walked up, put his hand on my shoulder, and he said, he's going to be all right, truck driver. And he was. Yeah. You know, that's a nice thing about the guy upstairs. As long as you know he's there, okay, and you've seen him, Alan. You've seen him paint the sky at night when the sun's going down. You, oh, sure. you see him paint it in the morning when the sun comes up, okay? Yeah. And, every, and everything in between. And we never, ever really, we get caught up in the concrete and the clay, but when we need him, he is so right sitting next to you. It's it's unbelievable. So he was the one that saved me. He saved Junior, and we Junior had a story to tell the world because most young guys his age in his peer group they don't really have any type. Half of them probably are run away from the situation. 
And uh, he's, he's definitely, you've met him, you know what I'm talking about there, disrespectful people. This young man here, he's, he, he, he said, listen, I already lived my life. I, I couldn't stand there and let that baby get hurt. Yeah, I already had 29 years on the planet, and he only had five or six. And you know, like, you said, like you said, like you said earlier, you know, the car if if it did what it did to me, it would have killed oh, killed the little kid right in front of his parents, and uh, I'd have I'd have probably been in a nut house right now. You oh, know, yeah. With yeah. Constantly it's, it's, wondering what I could have done. You know, having that thought in the back of my head for the rest of my life, what, what how I could have. How I could have stopped it, or how I could have done something different. Well, but, you did. You did yeah. stop it, and you saved that child. Did that? Did the family come see you at the hospital? They well, uh, they tried to. I talked to the family about maybe three or four months after it happened, mm-hmm. and um, they had just got the wires and everything out of my jaw, and I was just you know barely able to talk still, but. I talked to uh, the guy's name was Eddie, and Eddie said, you know, we 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 didn't know if you lived or died when the helicopter took off, because wow. the HIPAA laws wouldn't release any information. But um, he said, anytime you're in town, he said, you know, you stay at our house. We'll take you out to dinner. My little boys prayed for you every night. And I told Eddie, I go, well, you tell your son that his prayers worked, because I'm still here and everything's fine. And um, I well, got more—I uh, got more respect out of him than I did my own boss. <laughs> my boss to this day, he still hasn't picked up a phone to say, "Hey, are you? How you doing? You okay? You know what happened?" He's never right? said no. He's never, never picked, never said anything. Oh my gosh! Uh, three and a half, three and a half years later, huh? Yeah. <laughs> never a card. Never like a get well card. Hey, you know. And, Thanks for doing what you did out in California because you saved my business. Because if, wow. if God forbid, if the kid would would have gotten hurt or killed, you know, he would have lost the part that had. totally frosts me, Alan. That it totally infuriates me. I don't blame you. Because I don't care what you got in life, okay? A man's a man. You can at least pick a phone up and call up and say, "How's the kid doing?" But never one time in three years did he ever, ever acknowledge it when they gave Bobby the Highway Angel Award. Usually, DCA, Truck Load Carriers Association, sends a copy of that award over to the company. Mm-hmm. And when TCA heard that the owner had never, ever even called this man to see how he did, then they gave, they sent both, of, both the copies to Junior. Mm-hmm. Okay? instead of sending the other one to the company. So it was pretty pathetic. And then Bobby didn't wake up that morning to be anybody's hero. You know, he just liked calling his cars and being a trucker. He didn't, you know, he didn't wake up to be anybody's, you know, hero that day. And, you know, the workman's cop was good. They took care of him for a couple years. And at least a lot to be desired. Certain things yeah. have to be watched. How you say things, you know what I mean? Because um, it needs every. There's a lot of. It needs a lot to be desired. Okay, it needs a lot of things fixed. But they did pay to fly us home in a private ambulance jet that cost forty-five thousand dollars. 
uh, one way in a Learjet from Los Angeles to Clearwater, and the insurance paid that. And they, of course, they life flighted Junior to L.A. County Hospital, and being the county hospital, there was no way they could have got the work done here in Florida for what they got it done for out there in L.A. at the county. And I know I made this young man. I was there the day he was born. I delivered him, okay? And I know what he looked like. I know what he was made of. I remember the first load of bananas at two years old sitting on Daddy's lap when he held the wheel going up 75. So I, I, I was there for all of it. I'm telling you that he is as fine today as he was prior to that 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 that, that, that horrendous day, okay? And all I can say is that the, that the guy upstairs was the one that made it that way. Because he could have been more, he could have had a hell of a scarred up face. You can't tell the difference. Anything happened. Did such a beautiful job of what they did to him. And then, uh, I you see that the, 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 the right part comes in only with a company. Now, Alan, I've been all in my trucks since the 80s. They had Junior hauling a Kentucky trailer in California and using a Kentucky trailer as a car hauler. Yeah. Now, that's really funny because I've never, ever heard that Kentucky ever built a car hauler. So I called up to Louisville, Kentucky, to the home office of Kentucky Trailer, and I got a hold of a good old boy who had been there 33 years. And I asked him, I said, did you all ever build a car hauler? He's a Mr. Kentucky's been in business 103 years. We built wagon train wheels back in the 1800s. He says we never build a car hauler. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. They don't. So here this man was put in an unsafe work environment. And because certain laws are made, because there's firewalls there, because you have cops, can make you uh, force a man to work in an unsafe environment. So, see, just because they took care of Junior, the liability still exists. The company still runs this old Kentucky trailer, and when Kentucky found out about it, they were none too happy about it either. I'm okay. just glad to be walking and talking. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel you know. be here, huh? <laughs> well, did, hey, Bobby, did you, uh, well, what, what was, uh, what do you think made the car give way? I mean, I mean, you've done this, uh, you know, thousands of times before, but you, you, had you already had it chained down or strapped down, or it was just uh, was it uh, the, was it the sidewall that you? I mean, do you know what exactly happened? Why it started rolling? I think something structurally inside the trailer gave way, and the 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 brake didn't work in the car. The gentleman never told me that the brake was cut, the parking brake. So pretty much just the car was in, in first gear at that point when I got out of it. And since it was an old homemade trailer, Kentucky, the, and the car was a 72, and I had no idea that the, that your model car had was notorious for having the transmissions pop out of gear. So um, from what I had heard from the owner of the car that night, I guess the CHP, 
had and had stayed at the trailer for a good three or four hours that night and did like a full investigation, took all kinds of pictures of the inside of the trailer and um so it could have been something structural inside the trailer that caused the car to drop and when the car dropped it kicked it into neutral and caused it to roll um pretty much as long as i had been around cars and and hauling them it was just a freak freak accident it was and i was just in the wrong place at the wrong time and then the one in a million equation of placing the child in the picture you know, because Junior could have just jumped on the trunk of that car and rode it on out of the trailer. No, but yeah, I would have. One in a million with the child in the equation, and he had everything changed, the outcome. Right. Yeah, yeah. so I, I was, uh, that's what we, I talked to you earlier, and I uh, just, uh, just got to gotta watch those kids, you know. You just don't ever know where they're at. And when you said he was uh kind of in awe of the big truck and everything i just kind of i already knew that you know he was going to be wandering right there looking right up at you but uh yeah you know well that's how bobby was when he was that age so you know oh yeah they're all yeah you gotta live they gotta learn they gotta learn somewhere yeah you know you plant the seed today or else we're not going to have a crop tomorrow (laughs) <laughs> That's right. Yeah, so, so you and me can't drive forever, Alan. You know that. Oh, I know. I know. I'm already And these schools, these schools that claim to be schools that teach a man how to drive around on background. Yeah. I'd like to know what they teach that man, what he's going to do when he gets up to PA in a snowstorm. Or when yeah. he's out there in the Rockies and there's six inches of cap ice over the road. Uh, I want to know how well that training is that they charge so much money for to make a man a truck driver, and that's not making him anything more than a hazard to us. You know, he's got no exposure to it. He's got no education. He's driving around the state fairgrounds down here where we live at, and after a few weeks of driving around the fairgrounds, there's a CDL license for a truck driver. And the old way was the best way, and that was when your daddy took you and taught you. Yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. That was the best way. That's how you learn how to drive a truck, or from another trucker. You know, he took you under his wing. You know, we took Bobby and his brother. I got two sons. And when we taught him how to haul cars, me and one other guy taught him. And we wanted to make sure that we never, ever forgot anything between the two of us where we'd ever get that phone call. Yeah. So when I got that phone call... I couldn't figure out what fell through the crack, right? Because I knew it wasn't Bob. I knew it wasn't his background or his training. Because he yeah. came from 10 car carriers, okay, into this enclosed deal. Now if he'd had his a 10 car, his old truck, he could have just jumped right out the side. Yeah. You know, open, probably, open trailer. He probably ended up with just a broken ankle or a broken arm or something when I hit the ground. Instead yeah, of, maybe. <laughs> you know, I, I hold a... I, I was a furniture mover for years and and uh, hauled a lot of cars too, you know, up in those van trailers and it's a lot of work, you know, and and uh, yeah. a lot a lot of the a lot of the furniture movers are getting away from uh, hauling cars in their vans because of uh, you know just because of 
you know, dangers like that that exist, they've gone to more of just the regular uh, car hauler, you know. So anytime you're loading a car in a van, especially if you have to start building a deck and everything, there's, you, you know, you got to be careful. you got to watch out. So, yeah. and that's basically, that's exactly where you were at. You had that Kentucky trailer. Yeah, that's the deal. And then the guy, he immediately whistled down the hall or whatever, Kentucky's attorney, and he goes, wait till you hear this one. Well, the whole deal with this work comp law is if the employer has his work comp, then that's a firewall to keep you from suing him. So the only way around that firewall is to prove that the guy supplied the man an unsafe workplace, which, you know, maybe we can't buy insurance for that, right? Mm -hmm. And maybe he has to represent that out of his own pocket. That junior's office was in one of the penthouse buildings in downtown Tampa. So it wasn't exactly like his boss was hurting for any money. Okay, and, I, and again, I'm outskirting all these issues, you understand, name-wise and everything else. But I just have to get it off my chest. Now, the other three, the, the other three trucks were pulling regular car carriers with liftgate rear ends on them, and uh, mine was the only, and I was told that when I got back from that trip that that trailer was going, getting sold, and I would end up with a newer trailer. And uh, I never been, never made it back with the trailer, you know. So yeah, everything else that he had was pretty pretty new, except for that. The trailer I traced it all the way back to 1986 when it was sold to that company by uh, a casino out in Las Vegas. They used it back in up to 1986. You know how you know how these trucks run, Alan. These things they're good for five, six years, and then after that, those are tired horses. Yeah. You know this thing's still on the road, and it was last sold in '86. So, yeah. you know wow. it's uh, it's long overdue for the scrappy. And yeah. uh, then when something almost kills somebody, you know, like a Rottweiler or something, they usually put it down. But when a piece of equipment almost kills a human being, I guess it's time to put it down. Yeah, um, I just like so. to see that. I like to see that happen. But I'm just, I'm just glad to have my son and God. The guy upstairs, he didn't ask me for a dime of money, so I don't want to turn this into a money circus. Yeah. You know, I don't want to turn it into that because that wasn't. Bobby didn't wake up that day to be here. Pulling over bucks, okay? Yeah. You know, he'd much rather be out there driving a truck, you know, instead of sitting here worrying about if it's going to approve his social security disability in two years when they get around to it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. ready to. It's driving me crazy every time I see one going down the road. It's just feel like yeah. I'm wasting my wasting my life sitting here doing nothing when I could be out there making fifty grand a year again or something. But, well, how are you? Uh, I mean, how are you physically doing now? I mean, uh, are, are are you I still have, experiencing any problems? Or yeah, my back workman's comp walked away from me and tried to. They said that the two herniated discs in my L4 and L5, where your belt's at, your waistline. Uh-huh. I had two herniated discs from the accident, and workman's comp said that they were pre-existing. 
and I had to go in front of a court-appointed judge or a court-appointed doctor, and even the court-appointed doctor said that in a case like mine, there's no such thing as a pre-existing condition because of the amount of trauma that the body went through. Well, yeah. And that that they were 100% liable to fix the discs. So my back still hurts when it gets cold out and achy. When I get up in the morning, it it bugs me. But uh, the and the all the uh, metal, all the titanium implants and stuff, I've never really had any problems with any of it. Any of the facial reconstruction, um, never really had any side effects from it or anything like that. Any problems? No seizures. No memory loss, nothing like that. And so you can but, um, you can you can get around fine. I know I called you the other day and you were driving up somewhere, so. Oh uh, well, yeah, he gets around just fine. Uh, I got him a new 350Z uh, Nissan collector car, you know. And uh, his his we I had, he was driving in an 18 wheeler. His brother had one about a year after his accident. Yeah, he only he only drove around the block a few times, you know, but just to make just to, it was all a part of that healing, Alan. That's why Dad Dad was so important because I knew what he I knew the pieces and the steps he had to go up in order where he'd be back to being him, and uh, he went up every step, even including the driving that truck, you know, so. Um, another man upstairs has watched over him. He's definitely given him a second chance at everything. And uh, just this just, just, just story tonight, how it touches people's hearts in your mind, you know, that here's a human being that was right at heaven's gate. But he was sent back for a reason, and that was to tell you that story. Okay? Tell us all that story. My friend, if I didn't know this young man personally, I would listen to that story, and it would tell you, I know it ripped my heart out, too. But he's doing fine. He's got, like I said, he's got a couple cars that he shows, two show cars, and he's doing the car show circuit. He goes around to the, he wins his trophies. He's he's having fun, you know. He's not, he's not invalid in the least bit. He is as blessed as any human being has ever been blessed. And uh, I feel the same way as his dad. And you have to know, and I hope everybody out there knows it, I am the ha- I am the most proudest father on the face of the earth. Yeah, I you can know? imagine. It's well, no different than one of our heroes in Iraq tonight that would throw his body on a hand grenade to save his comrades from from being hurt. You know, it's, yeah. it's what it's what it's what we're supposed to be made like. So um, I'm very very proud of a man of him. He went way beyond my expectations. I'm sorry, it really all had to happen, okay? Uh, I really, I really said if I could wave a, wave a wand and make it go away, and it would be fine. But, see, they give him the morphine, they make me stand there for three weeks and watch it. So, yeah. the only thing I would change is they should give the parent the morphine, <laughs> because we're the ones in shock, all right, looking at our kids that throw up. Oh, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, no, we can laugh today about it, okay? It was very, very serious. And then the very first day, like I told you, the first thing I did was kneel down and bless myself and say some prayers. 
because he was in that bad shape. I didn't know if I was going to keep him. Nobody told me nothing yet, you know. And then after the big the Chinese surgeon came to me, and he said, Mr. Flaherty, everything's going to be fine. Um, you know, that, that was a, within 24 hours of me getting to L.A. So they used a new blood on Junior, too, that they use over in Iraq. It's experimental. And what it does is it goes into arteries and veins, and it reinflates them. Uh-huh. It looks white, comes in a packet, kind of looks like condensed milk. And they're using it with full success over in Iraq. But when Junior got to L.A. County Hospital, there was three of their surgeons and three Army surgeons that just so happened to be in California from Iraq. Those were the six people that rebuilt this man. Okay? Yeah, well, you know, they're rebuilding people on the battlefield with no buildings and no hospital. And and what they do is is they come there to the hospital and they teach the students. Uh, They send over 10 of them every 30 days, 10 doctors, the military does. But, yeah, uh, yeah, everything worked out just for the – and after a couple months later, he looked at me one night. I said, well, here comes along real good. He said, what did you expect? I got hurt in the City of Angels. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There you go. <laughs> the angel. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good angels. one. <laughs> yep, I've heard in the city of angels, okay? Well, a funny story, I had bought a crucifix, okay, because we're, we're Christians and believers. I bought a crucifix for Junior's bed when he was in the ICU. Just a small one. In between the surgeries, that crucifix turned up missing. And when he came out of the second surgery, he was kind of aggravated that somebody would steal the crucifix. Yeah. Well, I met a 92-year-old man, oh, about a month ago. And he come over and he heard Junior's story. He was retired as an engineer from NASA. And his mom was Mexican, his dad was German. And he was an engineer for NASA, retired, 92. He hears this, he says to Bobby, I got something for you. He says, I'll bring it back. I got something I want to give you. Well, he came over here this past week. And 92 years old, he drives over from Brandon. What does he come out of the van with, Alan? A crucifix. It had to be almost over four feet tall, all hand-carved wood, all from Mexico. So I looked at Junior, and see, this man didn't even know that one turned up missing in Los Angeles. And only Bobby and I knew that, right? Yeah. And I said, see, dude, he came back to you ten times over. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it was a really cool gift to come from him. We only met the man one time. Next time he gave him the crucifix. uh, Yeah, Mormon Pops taught us who he is. Okay, and we get caught up in the world and we kind of forget about it, but he's right there. Okay, um, he's right there. He, he holds your steering wheel when you go down the road, guy. Oh, he's yeah. the one that takes you in the morning and brings you home safe at night. Yeah. Yeah, well, so, uh, you know, it, it made life a lot easier for me. Uh, it was a shame I had to live it as a parent. 
loving a child as much as I love my two mugs, my, my two trucking sons that followed in my footsteps. Uh, yeah. To have to live that, you know, it was it was horrendous, but it surely introduced me to the higher power. Yeah, oh, I hear yeah. you. Surely introduced me to that higher power. And this being Christmas time and your last your last show here for the year, and, uh, uh-huh. and let's face it, it's not all about right. Okay, it's uh-huh. about the man. Okay, and he it's his time to be respected. Time of the year. Um, yeah. he, even he likes chicken lights and big old chrome down Peterbilt's, though. Sure. <laughs> well, uh, well, look, we're just about out of time. Uh, uh, we're gonna we're gonna try to get down there and uh, uh, visit you guys, meet y'all in person. I think I'd, I'd like that. I'd like to uh, shake your hand and uh, meet y'all in person down there because y'all aren't. Yeah, I'd like to right? put a I'd like to put a face to the voice too, Alan. Okay. Uh, yeah, go out to lunch or go out to lunch somewhere down here or something. Yeah. Meet yeah, you, I'll meet you, at Cody. I'll take you out. I'll take you to McDonald's or something. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. yeah. sucker food. Yeah, no, we'll do better than that. <laughs> uh, let me but, uh, wish you and your family a, a, a very, very Christmas, okay? Let me wish you all, I would like to say God bless everybody that's listening to this because he blessed me and all I was was a car hauler. Okay? Well, we're going to. There's going to be. There's going to be a lot of listeners because we're going to shoot this out across the net. It, it'll get picked up, and uh, we'll uh, just. We're going to stay in touch, and y'all stay in touch with us, and let us let us know how you're doing and how things are going on, and uh, and we'll be getting in touch with you, and uh, we'll try to get down there and meet you one of these days. Okay, that sounds, sounds good. good. Sounds good. All right. Uh, okay, thanks for coming on the show again. I really appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me, Alan. All right. Okay, we'll uh, God bless you. We'll talk to you all later. And Merry right, Christmas. Merry Christmas to you and and uh, a happy new year. And uh, we just wish you both, you and your family, uh, just a great year coming up. It's just it's just an amazing story. I mean, isn't it? It's just uh, and, you know, and you know, we tend to throw that word um, hero around a lot, but you know, this guy Bobby Flaherty. Junior certainly deserves a title, and and uh, if you're if you ask him if he's a hero, he's you know he's just going to shrug it off. I know, but but if you ask that little boy if he's a hero, I I know what the little boy will say. And uh, again, we just wish him and his family and and uh, all of you out there a uh, a happy new year. And uh, I'll stay in touch, and and I'll be calling you, and we'll try to uh, get down there. And meet you, and like you said, put a uh, face with a voice, and um, uh, just get to know you a little bit better, and see how you're doing. And uh, everybody out there, appreciate you tuning in and listening. And this will be the final show for uh, for 2009, but we'll be back in 2010. I just thought that this was a great, just a great show to uh, lead into the holidays, into the Christmas season, and the Happy New Year. Just a story of just. Uh, just unselfishness and courage and, and bravery and heroism. And, and because of this man, a, a little boy is still alive today and doing well. And there was an angel looking over that little boy that day. But I tell you, there was an angel looking over Bobby Flaherty Jr. too that day. So uh, just just a great story, and I appreciate uh, appreciate them coming on the show. 
and uh, sharing that. And we're going to stick this out and shoot this out across the net and uh, let more and more people be able to hear it. And um, I just really appreci- appreciate them sharing their story with us and hope everything works out for them and that they have a great uh, New Year and a, and a Merry Christmas. So um, appreciate everybody tuning in. And, again, like I said, we will be back in 2010 to uh, continue uh, – our fight to raise the standards of the trucking industry. But tonight we just took a little break from all that and uh, kind of put things in perspective, you know, let you know what, what's really important, you know. <laughs> when you when you hear stories like this and just the, uh, just the devastating injuries that this man went through, I mean, I, 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 I'm not kidding. This guy, I don't want to meet him in a back alley somewhere. I mean, he goes through that and the still talking and standing and it's just like this kind of floored me when i first heard about this and and uh like bobby senior says um it was just all in the hands of god that night and uh, it all worked out just great and uh, just an unbelievable story i just really really enjoyed uh chatting with him and getting to know him a little bit and we're going to meet him down there and maybe even do a video and and uh uh, just let this thing uh, get out there and, every, and just share this story with as many people as we can. We have a lot of listeners across the country and a lot, across the World Wide Web, seven countries, so it'll be heard a lot. And um, we may be looking into uh, helping helping in other ways too. Uh, we'll get into that one of these days, uh, but uh, try to try to uh, come up with something uh, to maybe help this man along a little bit more. Although he's doing very well, it's just just amazing amazing what he went through and because of him a uh, little boy is still alive and well and just a great story so uh thanks for everybody for joining uh bobby jr and senior appreciate you coming on and sharing your story again uh just in time for the holidays i really enjoyed it um and so we will be back in 2010 so for truth about trucking live i'm alan smith drive safe Thanks for listening, and until next time, we wish everyone out there a very merry little Christmas, and we will see you next year. Uh, Good night, everybody.